We as Nishnabe people, we have to be kind. Our Creator always gave, gave us kindness. Creator gave us kindness in the beginning when the Creator gave us life. In the same way, we, we do the same. We have to be kind. We have to be kind to one another. That's Hector Kopagog. He's a spiritual teacher, ceremonial chief, language speaker, and healer. He's our guest on Minobematsuin for the second part of a series of conversations focused on managing grief and loss through culture. I'm Carol Hopkins, CEO of Thunderbird Partnership Foundation, and we're an organization that supports First Nations across Canada in mental wellness. And today I'm hosting Minobematsuin. Minobematsuin means living the good life in the language of the Anishinaabe. Thunderbird chose that as a name for the podcast because it captures what we all hope for, for ourselves and those we care about. This podcast aims to seek and share insight about addictions and mental health issues that many of our families and communities are dealing with. We're going to be fearless. We're going to have thoughtful and informative conversations with some of the leading voices in Indigenous wellness. Our aim is the same as Thunderbirds, to offer support in addressing substance use and addictions issues through a holistic approach to healing and wellness, one that is grounded in culture, Indigenous ways of knowing, a connection to community, and above all else, kindness and compassion. Today we're thrilled to have Elder Hector Kopagog with us. He comes from the community of Bozaleo here in Ontario. He's living now in the community known as Wasoxing First Nation. Hector has been married for 33 years, has two children, has been blessed with six grandchildren and one great-granddaughter. Hector tells us that he has been proudly free of drug and alcohol use since 1987. And he's learned his knowledge in culture and ceremony as a fourth degree of the Three Fires Medewan Lodge, and his teachers are Badwewodan Banesiaban, Elder Jim Dumont, also known as Anabanese, and the late Merle Pekamagabo, Bemasagirban. And today, he's working as a cultural consultant for Barry Area Native Advisory Circle. And he has decades of experience in practicing ceremony and culture uh, to address grief and loss, and to promote healing. So welcome, Hector. Hello. Today, can you help us understand, you can help our listeners understand what we can do as First Nations people to help ourselves with grief we carry over the loss of friends and family who might have passed during COVID at a time when we couldn't get together. What can they do about that now? Well, at the time of the passing uh it's kind of important to make a fire for that person. And that fire, uh, it's our connection to, to that spirit of that one that passed. And, uh, and we can do as much as we can with the, with the fire. Normally, we, we need the vessel for certain ceremonies. But we can ask our fire to help that spirit to go home. And that's the important part. We as family... We take care of that spirit, which our people done since the time that our people came to the earth. But also, what else is very important is the tobacco. Our tobacco is our 
are tools to use to speak to the Spirit. But in doing this, I just want to I just want to say, as people, we have to be uh, truthful and honest in in believing in what we're doing. But we have to do it truly from our from our spirit, from our own heart. This will help us. This and this will help the family. And using that tobacco, when we lose someone uh, in the last few years through COVID, we didn't get a chance to do that. But we can still do that by making a fire around the time of the, of the death. Sometimes it wasn't possible for some people, and then then um, then we use then we use a ceremony the one year of the passing of that of that one. We call a memorial ceremony, and that's when we can call that spirit again back to this physical world and, and speak to that one. A lot of people carry uh, a lot of ill feelings about not not saying goodbye, and we can do that at that time. And it, it's not your fault that uh, this sickness is here, but uh, we can still we can still speak to that spirit. And there are so many things we can do to help with that spirit as much as we can. I know some for a lot of the. Burials the last few years, we couldn't, we couldn't put that vessel back to the earth, and we'd have to take care of him in another way. But we do the best we can. Hector, you uh, talked about uh, many important things, and I just want to uh, ask you for a little bit of clarification, so that our listeners, who might not have a connection to culture and might not have had access to an elder, a teacher, someone like you who could help them um, address grief and loss. And so this might be the first time when you talk about the vessel. Yeah. Can you tell us what do you mean? What is the vessel? The vessel is your body. Okay. Yes. So even if, as you said, during COVID, our relatives, our, our loved ones, our friends, um, they might have been buried, um, but we weren't able to be there. Yeah, and and so time has gone by, and we're still feeling the heaviness of the grief and loss. People they feel bad about that, or they're still mourning, um, having a difficulty moving on with their with their thoughts and with their emotions. And so you said they can still do this. And when you said that, I think what you meant was they can still have that fire. Yes. And you suggested that that one year anniversary or two year anniversary of that death would be a really good time. But could they do it any other time? Like say they're they're listening to the podcast today and they're remembering somebody um, in their community or a loved one who maybe died of drug poisoning or overdose and and they're not sure whether uh, they can light a fire because it's not the anniversary. Could they go ahead and do that? Yeah, I'm sure they can because they're still feeling feeling that. So they need something. With the Anishinaabe people, that's that's our one of our sacredest things is that fire to help us. Those are our prayers going up, and we can do that when we really need it. We need to do that for ourselves or for our families. Okay, thanks for that clarification. That's really important that listeners understand that if they're hearing about this idea of 
taking care of their grief and loss through lighting a sacred fire. They can do that at any time, but a really good time to do that would be at the anniversary, um, at least of one year, uh, the one year anniversary, but at any time after that, they could light a fire um, to connect with the spirit of that person who has gone on and talk about um, their relationship, their memories, uh, how they're feeling, what they're thinking. And, and all of that is prayer that helps them to release and to move through those emotions. Mm-hmm. Is that right, Hector? Yes. And that fire is uh, comforting for family and people that may have been close to that one. Yeah, that fire is very comforting. So more than just the one individual family or the whole community could be invited to that sacred fire. Yeah. Where people are going to pray. Yeah, that's healing. That's healing. Yeah. Community healing. Yep. Okay. Now, is it possible for you to share a little bit of understanding about what's necessary to actually put a fire together? Does it require uh, someone... Uh, special to light that fire? Or uh, can someone who is just learning about uh, culture and the importance of fire light a fire in the community someplace, hopefully in a safe place? But but would they be able to go ahead and and, uh, put a fire together? Uh, Yeah, they could. Maybe um, if there was a person in the community that that has their language and be able Uh. to and be able to speak to that fire spirit and why you're why you're asking that fire spirit to come mm. and to accept uh, your tobacco and the things that sometimes we we feed those ones give them food they still need food where they're, where they're at the spirit dish if, if someone can speak to that fire why we're calling that spirit a fire okay yeah so someone who might have the language and know um, how to offer words and tobacco to call the spirit of the fire, talking to them about what it is you're asking for. Yeah. Um, now, you mentioned a spirit dish. Can you say a little bit more about what that means? Well, we can send, um, we usually make a food offering like that one year memorial. Food offering for? For that spirit, for that one that has passed. And um, that's been lost for a while in many communities, that memorial ceremony. Uh, our people have been, we forgot that ceremony for to help with our, with our own grief. But also not only grief, but celebration for that life, you know. And so we now we're just getting back into that. And we do those things for those ones that have gone on. And with grief, uh, there are many ways of um, releasing grief from those ceremonies. Some people may have ill feelings of uh, of that person that have gone on, and they're carrying that around. And these ceremonies help release that, where actually we can speak to that spirit and tell the spirit what it is that we need to tell them. Maybe you're you're angry at them. And maybe you want to say, sorry, I was angry. Or maybe that person was angry at you. And then you're able to, it's okay, you know, I've, I've let that go. Because usually at the time of burial, we let, we let those things go at that time. 
um, you know, if we were angry with that person or whatever, eh, you know, at the, yeah. at the time of burial. But uh, but with COVID, we weren't able to do that. <laughs> That's pretty significant that the ceremony can facilitate a conversation with somebody who has passed on. Yes. And that, so how does that happen, that you can actually talk to those people who have passed on? There's a special way that we do it. Where they have gone is beyond the West. And then that's how they go home. It's through that doorway in the West. Yeah, I don't know how much you can put that on the, on the podcast. Right. <laughs> no, I just wanted you to say that they have a spirit. That's how come we can talk to them. <laughs> we, can, we can call them through ceremony. And that usually at the time is when we uh, when we bring food for them. So that's when we call them, here's some food that I have prepared for you. In a way, that's really a beautiful ceremony. Beautiful ceremony, the memorial ceremony. Mm-hmm. But also a time of releasing as well. When you call their spirit and they answer, that's the, po- that's the part I think you are talking about, um, that you have to be true and honest in your own belief about that. So maybe somebody is just, again, learning, or they haven't done it before. Is it appropriate for them to ask questions of other people that are helping them, um, another elder or someone else who is supporting the practice of culture? Is it appropriate for them to ask questions so that they can resolve their questions about participating in calling the spirit of their relatives who have gone on and feeding them? Can they ask questions about that? Well, always, you know, when when we uh, go to an elder, we always have to present tobacco, you know, and when we ask those questions, it's always important. And so that elder can can respond to you in that, in that true way, through that tobacco. Usually, uh, you know, by mouth, uh, different people do memorial ceremonies and, and things like that, usually when in one year for different people. But normally what was done was in, in the fall, that's when you would normally do that memorial ceremony. Before the winter comes, usually that's when we normally would do it. But Normal we, practice in, in our communities would be to gather and yeah. feed our relatives. Yeah. And that's the memorial uh, feast that you're talking about. Yes. Okay. But, um, you know, things are different now, you know, and um, some people can do it when their relative, uh, when their anniversary is up during the winter mm-hmm. or summer or whenever, eh? whenever yeah. that one year is done. So then that makes it possible for people to gather as friends and family to honor one individual that was important to all of them mm-hmm. and feed them at any time of the year um, after one year has gone by or to gather as a community and everyone brings food to feed their ancestors or loved ones who have gone on more than a year. Is that right? Yes. Individual families or whole communities. That's pretty in- incredible. Or your whole community. That's what I try and do uh do that ceremony in the different communities here in the area here. You must be pretty busy. Oh yeah. <laughs> pretty pretty busy in November and late October. So when you um you talked about uh the memorial feast and the talking 
you know, feeding your, your relatives and talking to them as a pro- process of healing. And you, and you described that as very beautiful. Um, that's not often a way that people talk about death and dying. They don't talk about it as beautiful or as a celebration of life. Can you help our listeners understand how death and dying in our own and First Nations worldview um, is seen as a beautiful experience um, and the celebration of life? Can you help us understand that a little bit more? Well... There's a lot of teachings that are similar to all cultures on earth. And they're, they're all similar and, and uh, but different. When we do that ceremony, uh, every, uh, every time we do that, because we want to go back to the past or how our ancestors done it all the time. It's just that we've lost it along the way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and now we're rekindling that again. Because in all cultures, uh, there are, there's a belief that there is a spirit in, 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 in all of creation. And there's a spirit in all of us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and when we go back to the teachings, uh, you know, we, we come to this earth. And because uh, our creator told us that uh, the creator uh, created a beautiful place. And it's snowing right now like heck. <laughs> <laughs> As you look out your window, you can see the beautiful snow falling. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but <laughs> our spirit, as we know, we come and, and experience this life. But there was a time that the Creator said, "Oh, you, you, there's a time when your your vessel is no longer capable of sustaining your spirit, and that's when the Creator calls us home, when we have our last breath on this earth." There's a time uh, when that spirit is still around in this physical world, but not very long. Then it goes to the Creator. And so at that time, that's when we're, it's important we do our ceremonies at that time, within those four days or three days. So that must be why people feel heavy with that grief and loss when they, that happened when they lost their relatives during covid and and they didn't have uh, that ceremonial practice or that support uh, from our culture to gather in, in that timeline when that spirit is still still here with us on the earth before making that spirit journey home. Mm-hmm. But you shared with us today um, uh, an incredibly beautiful answer and way to help us manage where we are today with whatever grief and loss we we still carry. I imagine that lots of people have questions about about how they're feeling and how they're thinking not being there um, at the time of, of death. The questions about what can I do now? And you've given a really important answer, and that is the fire, the tobacco, and the food. When you when you've uh, worked with all of those communities and individuals, families, um, whole communities, um, can you share a little bit about the difference that you see um, when perhaps the 
sadness goes away or those questions have been answered Mm. or people are able to give tobacco and ask more questions to help them understand how this ceremony um, really makes a difference. Can you describe some of the things that you've seen uh, with individuals or families and communities uh, through participating um, in these ceremonies? No, I, I got many with 21. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the one that uh, sticks out is uh, a close relative of mine. Um, their mother passed away. Before her death, they had a big argument. So that, that son was carrying that guilt around for a year, feeling bad about having that argument with, with his mother. And and so I, I told that person, well, come to the memorial ceremony. You'll be able to call upon your mother and talk to her and be able to release that guilt. Guilt comes along with, with loss, grief and loss too as well. And shame, you know. And so in that ceremony, that person was able to talk to his mother and he was able to, to release that. And what a release that was for him. And so when you say he was able to release that, he was able to talk about it with his yes. mother's spirit? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. And, you know, when you talk about shame, there's a lot of shame that comes along when uh, we're experiencing grief and loss. When I go back to what you said earlier, truth and honesty, being truthful with ourselves and honest with ourselves about what we're feeling and thinking, all of those unresolved things that you talked about. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times, shame gets in our way um, mm-hmm. because we feel guilty about being angry with somebody or not settling things and or or being ashamed of talking about how somebody died. For example, if they dry, died because of drug poisoning or overdose, And so there's a part of that story of death that gets held back because of the shame. Can you help our listeners understand a little bit more about how you counsel uh, people through that shame to be truthful and honest? What How do you motivate people to get to that place that they can actually let go of that shame? Well, usually um, I try and find a place where... To make it make that fire somewhere secluded somewhere where there's not too much people around or whatever and sometimes people don't want to talk about those things and they yeah. and, and they don't want to uh to uh, have other people hear uh right what what they're what they're feeling and, and what they're going through so I try and uh, go go with the go with that individual or individuals. And, mm-hmm. and make a fire somewhere and use their tobacco and then um, be able to speak to that person or mm-hmm. send words through their tobacco to that to that spirit and be able to tell that spirit of, of uh, maybe their wrong doings or whatever whatever that whatever it may be or maybe even f- just feeling um, guilty of not being there for them you know mm. you know people feel that as well mm-hmm. and so they can always use their tobacco and speak to that spirit through that fire 
Yeah. That's awesome. Such kindness and, and caring and compassion um, to help people um, in their shyness. So you talked about, you know, when I asked you about shame, you talked about shyness mm-hmm. and just respecting that shyness. You create a space that feels safe. Yeah. You created, you talked about creating that p- space that where they don't have to feel like everybody is watching, everybody is hearing, everyone is listening because it's important that the spirit hears them. The spirit listens or they hear the spirit. They listen to the spirit. Yeah. And, and so protecting that space as a safe space to release that shame, uh, but facilitating that in a way that respects they're naturally going to be shy. Maybe that they are feeling that shyness around mm-hmm. um, expressing what they really honestly are feeling. Yep. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Those are beautiful examples about how you see the difference that our culture and our ceremonies make and addressing grief and loss. Hector, you're, I know that you have a strong passion uh, for Anishinaabe Mowin, your language, and uh, and that you um, help other people to get connected to their language. Can you tell us how language is important at the time of grief and loss or in addressing grief and loss? I hear people say language is medicine. How is it medicine at the time of grief and loss? With the language... I am uh, Bodwe Awatomi. That's Miami. your nation. That's my nation. And um, But what they used to call Bodwe Awatomi prior to, to that word was uh, Odewatomi. That's yeah. from, the, from the heart. So it's like when we speak, it is from our heart when we're speaking. Not from our mind, from our heart. We don't hear very much inappropriate language, <laughs> so to speak, uh, but because it always comes from the heart. That's where that truth comes from that you're talking about. Yes. You know, I didn't know very much about my culture, but I, when I went to the first ceremonies, I heard the older ones speak, and I could understand what they're saying, and it filled up my heart. My heart, oh. almost, my heart almost burst. <laughs> Because I could understand what they're saying and, and, and know what they were saying. And um, when we speak in the language, it's like um, even though maybe that person didn't have the language, but in a sense, before they came to the physical world, they did have the language. Because we go by, um, we call blood memory. They mm. can, and they'll understand what they're what you're saying if you have the mm-hmm. you're speaking in the language that belief that the great spirit gave to the people on this earth each their or own and distinct sound yeah that's our language with the language and, and true song and uh, it's very important too and we sing songs for those for those ones uh, that have gone on but not only for those ones but for the for the family that just lost someone Mm-hmm. It lifts them up as well. The songs lift up the spirit of those left behind. Uh-huh. And the one that's going. And the one that's going. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Because 
it's beautiful because it's such a kind, caring way mm -hmm. uh, to take care of our relatives without judgment of how they might have lived their life, without shaming anyone for whatever challenges were in the relationship before the passing, mm -hmm. without any concern for the emotions that might have been left um, undone or unattended to, mm. that all of that, there's a way through the ceremony yeah. to attend to all of that. And through the fire, through the medicine of tobacco, through the food, through the language, all of that works together to take care of the spirit of our loved ones, as well as the people who are left here. And it's so incredible when you describe it in the way that you have that the opportunity to resolve and settle and to feel settled about those things that might have been in the way in our physical relationships well, or in our relationships when we share time here on the earth. Mm -hmm. yeah. Our culture is so beautiful. Yeah, even, um, you know, if people have passed long before, if there was um, things weren't good with that person, you, you could still resolve that through ceremony. And uh, that's the beautiful part about it. And uh, even though we're, we're uh, resolving that, but at the same time, with that one that has passed, and, and yourself, then you feel good again. Mm. Feel good. You're free of that burden. Yeah. It's never too late. No. And those are the beautiful ways that our culture and our language and our worldview make a difference in the healing and wellness of individuals, families, and communities. We also uh, always need help from the spirits that are around us. And so we ask them in that way, even before we begin, is to call upon their help mm -hmm. through pipe, through tobacco. Mm -hmm. uh, we always begin with that. Because... Uh, we can't do that alone, so to speak. We need their help as well. They may be able to, to do that ceremony and to help us with that ceremony. You know, it, it helps uh, the people that are around in that ceremony. Relying on our relationship with the Spirit and asking this for the Spirit to help us yeah. um, to do the ceremony, to do the work, to connect to our, our relatives, to help us to be able to identify and release those thoughts or feelings or actions that might have been um, in our way or to celebrate the good life that we shared uh, with others. We, we need the Spirit's help with that. Because that's important. Let's say someone has decided to take their life, you know, we still feel that too. That's important too. To, for whatever reason, why they've done that, we have to we have to forgive them too as well. We have to forgive as well. For whatever reason, they couldn't be able to uh, to not do it because uh, to not live life. Yeah, 
uh, in that ceremony, the memorial, when we do that ceremony, your relatives you've called to that ceremony, like there maybe it might be a community, when they call this, call their relatives there, when they go back, they take some of that food to where those ones are stuck. Isn't that awesome? It is. The spirit helps to take care of other spirits. Yes. And especially those ones who have have taken their own life. There's a lot of grief and sadness among First Nations over the loss of our relatives who, for whatever reason, could not continue to live life, didn't know how to continue to live life, didn't have the support to continue living life. Maybe they were suffering greatly from the withdrawals of whatever drugs they were using, and there was nobody who had compassion for them and the pain that they were feeling. And and maybe they um, chose to take their own life. In fact, we know that people who use substances and drugs, they think about suicide often when they can't find the support they need. About 60% of adults have said that they thought about suicide when they can't find the support that they need. About 40% of youth in First Nations communities have said that they've thought about suicide when they can't find the support they need uh, for the drugs that they've been using. Find a way to um, alleviate the pain, to alleviate uh, the hardship that they're feeling by... um, not having access to food or a place, warm place to sleep or, or not knowing that anybody loves them and cares about them. They choose to, to leave this world uh, through taking their own life. And you're saying that when we call our relatives to come and feast at the memorial feast, they will take some food and they will feed those ones who have taken their own life. It's absolutely beautiful, Hector. I can't thank you enough for sharing that understanding. And I'm hoping that that brings a lot of comfort um, to our listeners who might have had someone in their own family or their own community uh, that has left this world through uh, their own means and what we call suicide or premature unnatural death that there is a way the spirit takes care of them. That's that in itself is medicine uh, for our spirit to feel good about that, that they're not forgotten. Um, The spirit continues to take care of them. Thank you for that. Chimigwitch. I was just going to ask you if you had any final thoughts that you wanted to share. Well, I guess just what you're saying that in our communities, we need to do more ceremony. And so those ones that are lost can come to ceremony time. That doorway is not closed to anyone. And if they need that help from from ceremony, you know, they're welcome. They're welcome to the ceremony. And we as Nishtambe people, we have to be kind. Our Creator always gave, gave us kindness. Creator gave us kindness in the beginning when he gave when the Creator gave us life. In the same way we, we do the same. We have to be kind. We have to be kind to one another. 
if not, you know, especially the ones that are struggling. And if we say bad things to them, then we're, you know, then, then they feel that. Sad to say, you know, some, some things happen after that. <laughs> or even uh, pull away from from things. Pull away from ceremonies and stuff. We have to be more kind to, to one another. Kindness will ensure that people can find a way to live life. Yep. If we are judgmental or shaming, we can't be sure mm. that our relatives will continue to live life mm. if they're already struggling. Yeah. Because, you know, um, growing up, uh, you know, I, I don't put this in my bio, you know. You know, I was shamed and beaten, you know, going through school. Uh, and, and in day school, so I carried that on. I had to let that let those things go myself eh? through a lot mm-hmm. of ceremonies, mm-hmm. lots of sweat, see. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I had to let go of those things, you know, in order to uh, to be uh, to be the kindest kindest I can be, you know, yeah, and not not what I was taught when I was not what I was. Uh, Please stop me, mm-hmm. you know, because it's, a lot of our people are probably carrying that as well, mm-hmm. you know, that shame. Yeah. That comes from bullying and racism and. Yeah. Yeah. But we can, we can take care of that through our ceremonies. Sweat lodge ceremony, the fire, the pipe, all of those things you've mentioned are ways to help us deal with the loss of our our own self-esteem, the loss of our loved ones and relatives, the grief we have over being shamed or, or carrying shame. Yeah. Um, our ceremonies are the answer. And you said we need to have ceremony more in our community. Can you imagine the strength of our communities as we continue um, to grow our understanding about who we are as the first peoples of of this land um, connected um, to our mother, the earth. And I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. I want to thank you for all that you shared on today's episode of Minimabatsuin. Aho! Thank you, Hector, for coming on the podcast today. And thank all of you for listening to this episode of Minobimatsuin. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and where you listen. It helps people to find these interviews. And please hit subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. For more information on the work of Thunderbird Partnership Foundation, please visit the website at thunderbirdpf.org and be sure to follow us on social media just search for us at thunderbirdpf miigwech and thanks for listening until next time i'm carol hopkins